welcome to Crossing Darkness, a podcast about the role-playing games set in the world of darkness and other tabletop games. We are broadcasting over Twitch every Sunday, 7 p.m. Central Time, and are open to chatting with fans during the show. Um, This is Season 3, Episode 5, Werewolf the Apocalypse Part 2. I'm your host, Frozen Fallout, and my co-host is Motorori, who helped me create a podcast and a 40-person, four-table Gen Con event. How's it going, Moto? Oh, pretty good. Pretty pretty relaxing weekend, as it always is. That's good to hear. Good to hear. Definitely enjoy my weekends. I'm, I'm happy to be one of the people that has a, a, a weekend on Saturday and Sunday that I actually have off of work, which not everybody is privy to in this universe. So I'm lo- I feel yeah, lucky. I can, I can very much agree with that. It's, uh, it's very nice. All right. So for those um, that maybe are, uh, have missed part one or jumping into part two here uh, really quickly, what is Werewolf the Apocalypse? Oh, is that a question for me? Yep. Uh, well, it's a role-playing game made by White Wolf back in the 90s. Uh, I can't remember if it, it was their second one after Vampire or the third one. But uh, in it, you play werewolves who, uh, rather than being the beasts who stalk the night and kill villagers, as many people now know them because of that are you a werewolf game? Uh, you are warriors for Gaia. You essentially take on the role of uh, eco-terrorists. And you fight the worm, which is, you know, just just listen to the, the previous episode. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we went into it. But yeah, I mean, just, yeah, real quickly, that sounds like a good, you know, that's a baseline of what, uh, what the game is there. Um, all right, so... Yeah, um, so- we are. Yeah, where did we? We left we off, off on um, the Silver Fangs. Was the next clan or tribe that we were going to jump into? Um, so the Silver Fangs, um, from my point of view, you know, they're the leaders of the the werewolf tribes, but they're also the most inbred and kind of royalty um, aspected. Um, werewolves that i i really don't like the silver fangs at all i'm very i am i'm more bonar so of course i would i would hate on the alpha most um i in fact like them less than i like the uh shadow lords i don't think that the shadow lords should become the alphas but i don't think the silver fangs should be the alphas either so um yeah and they have a lot of problems with inbreeding so yeah, so the whole thing behind the the Silver Fangs is they have that mentality of they rule by right of blood, which is very reminiscent of pretty much any monarchical system from Europe, Russia, uh, m- many parts of the world. Uh, it's what, what are the um, the the Ventru from the vampires are very similar. Right, uh, and so yep. when you play uh, a Silver Fang, when you play a Silver Fang, you are supposed to be egotistical. You are supposed to look down on everybody. Uh, I want to say the only time that I ever played a game where somebody played a Silver Fang, it was the pretty much the first long-term World of Darkness game that I played in, uh, run by uh, my my now long long life lifelong friend Dave, uh, and his girlfriend at the time, now his wife, played a Silver Fang, and now don't get me wrong, I she's one of the greatest human beings in the world, but it was really easy for her to play a Silver Fang. Let me tell you, she, just constantly insulting everybody. Constantly being, you know, just like you're stupid, stuff like that. <laughs> you know, she was in charge. Uh, she didn't play every single game though. She was just, she was definitely the, the, the girlfriend is here 
and give her something to do. Although yeah, she did a great job. But uh, but yeah, Silver Fangs. Uh, originally from Russia, if I'm correct. Yeah, I believe I think... so. Or at least yeah. that's that's where they are now. For like a chunk, huge chunk of them control a large chunk of Russia before Baba Yaga came back and did a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Yeah, and I know there's a bunch of lore uh, about. Is it Albrecht? Is uh, he's a Silver Fang in the United States who's kind of like in charge of Garu society mm-hmm. here in the U.S. And I think there's some stories about that. I can't remember what what book I read that in, but uh, but yeah, that's yeah. From my understanding, that is correct. That there's there's like the the alpha of all of the werewolves, um, and he is. Uh, it's like rank six, I think, too. Is, uh, is yeah, like, that sounds right. Gets into like the concepts that there are higher ranks than five, um, although standardly in a game you'd only go one to five. Yeah, I mean, it would it would be extremely rare for a GM to even want their players to get to rank six uh, for werewolf. Right. Uh, I mean, you can do it. It's it just would be out of context, really, because at that point you would have to be like the political leader of thousands of Garu. Right. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's uh, they're an interesting group. They're I mean, I hate on them a lot because I I have such an affinity for the Bonars, but you can play them in you know. They're the strong leadership type kind of characters, but they can be, you know, strong warriors and just, um, you know, they don't always have to be the alphas and stuff like that. Um, you know, we're just being very stereotypical right now on them, of course. Um, yeah. Uh, in in the, the Gen Con game, the, the, the Silver Fang that I created was, I think, Talia Wilford. And she was she was actually friends with the Bone Nars. Like she, she was kind of anti-typical, uh, for, for Silver Fangs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, that character. Still, I liked her. She was still rich and you know egotistical and looked down on everybody, but you know I I tried to write her in such a way that it made sense for her to be in Madison, and part of Garu society here. Mm-hmm. All right, shall we move on to the next one? Sure. Oh, am I supposed to do that? Yeah, if you want to go ahead with that one. Uh, yeah, so the Uktena, uh, one of the two remaining tribes from the native peoples of the Americas, uh, mostly from South America, uh, but I think they they kind of crept up after the uh, destruction of the Croatan. Um, the, the main thing about the Uktena is that they deal with death. Uh, I'm not sure I've ever actually read their, their splat book, uh, to the extent that I should have. Uh, but, but yeah, they, uh, they are more aligned with what I would call the untainted worm. Cause you know, I, I have all these ideas about, uh, what the worm actually is and, and why corruption is, uh, associated with it. But, uh, but yeah, their, their actual, their tribe totem is, uh, is a water serpent, which is classically a, a worm spirit. Um, do you know anything about the Uktena that you want to add in? Not really. I'm not very familiar with their group. Besides that, I knew that they're, they're more involved with death and that they might have connections to Shadowlands and the in the Wraith and stuff, but very light connections. And like you said, that they do have more um you know not necessarily worm, but they have worm adjacent connections. Yeah. And I, I definitely have to look into them because uh you know I'm I'm working on this this Wraith game and uh I'm I'm trying to think of all the different ways that uh living beings can cross the shroud and uh interact with the the dead and i'm i'm pretty sure the uktena is going to jump in there yeah 
All right, so um, let's go on to the, I believe the last, or second to the last one we have is the Windigo. Okay, yeah, so Windigo is a lot easier for people in North America to understand because that's where they're based. Uh, Windigo is, uh, the tribe is descended from the native peoples of North America, uh, mostly Canada, because... As we know, the, the Croatan were kind of the general geographical area of the United States, and they were uh, wiped out uh, in order to destroy... Oh, God, who was it? Um, yeah, it was one of the worm, like, powerful manifestations of the of the worm itself, like... Was it Storm Eater? Yeah, something so, like that. So, yeah that sounds about right. But yeah, it was... Yeah. And in order... In order to defeat that worm creature, uh, they had to sacrifice their entire tribe. That's why there are no Croatan left. Um, but the Wendigo uh, are kind of your your more northern natives. Uh, in fact, <clears throat> I played in the most recent mage game that my friend Charles ran for us. Uh, a Wendigo kinfolk who became a mage. Uh, and and in that game, my sister was a werewolf. And everybody liked my sister better than me because she was a werewolf. And that was a big deal. Um, but anyway, uh, Wendigo is a cannibal spirit. So there is kind of a there's kind of a stigma for Wendigo. That when they go crazy, uh, if they frenzy, uh, they will sometimes eat human flesh. Interesting. Uh, I, yeah, I, for some reason, I never made that connection. Yeah, Wendigo is the 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 cannibal spirit. Yeah, it's also just a a very powerful you know combat tribe totem. Um, uh, one of the things uh, that that I learned from the Wendigo book because I did. I did read most of that in preparation for that game. Uh, there is still a lot of racism in the Wendigo tribe. Uh, I can't remember what the words they used were, but driving all of the white people into the sea or back to the sea is like one of their long-term goals. <laughs> like just getting all the white people out of North America. And that can be a, that can be a fun like thing to play around with in a game um probably not gonna happen unless you're a really strange gm who's like you know what i'm gonna run a chronicle where the wendigo win and just murder or drive out every single white person from north america hey you know i could see i could see running a one shot on it <laughs> <laughs> um so let's go on to um what is now the beast courts um werewolf tribe that used to be part of uh the regular group of werewolf tribes that kind of defected in i believe this is around 1999 or so 1997 um that the the stargazers which were one of my favorite tribes was the more eastern um based guru and um they ended up uh i can't remember exactly the exact specific reasons for it but they they end up uh leaving the werewolf tribes and joining the beast courts that are all the other shapeshifters because a lot of the game focuses on werewolves right but there is actually a lot of other creatures you know so there's where you know tigers and where bears and where um where coyotes, where foxes, where snakes. Uh, let me see here. And basically, uh, there's the war birds. of rage that the werewolves went out and killed most of these tribes off, um, except you know in the the eastern hemisphere of our world, they they preserved themselves and created the beast courts. Um, and that kind of has where werewolf is very much eastern. 
or sorry, Western philosophy. Um, the beast courts represent a more, it's not just the werewolves, it's all the other groups. And the werewolves don't hold, you know, any special spot, if I remember correctly, in the, the beast courts at all. They're just another uh, group. I think uh, to an extent, um, I think the Japanese werewolves, the uh, the Haken, uh, do interact with the beast courts yeah um but they're they're very isolated the 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 haken are not associated with um the the so-called garu nation um and the stargazers also eventually leave and become you know fully part of the beast courts and leave the the garu nation yeah um so so the stargazers are basically uh, from Tibet, they are Himalayan uh, Buddhist monks, uh, and, and actually, the the most fun thing about the Stargazers is one of their things is called Kailindo, which is a uh, shape changer specific. That's a good kitty you got there. If you're only listening to this as a podcast. Go watch the video on Twitch to, to look at Josh's adorable cat. I think that's Leia. Yep. Where's Janeway? Janeway is uh, in her castle um, hiding. Janeway doesn't like the camera, does she? Oh, she don't mind it. She just is just sleeping. But Leia's always up on your lap during, during stream. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, so Kylan Doe is a martial art that is only for shape changers because if you have control over your shape changing ability enough, you can, uh, it, and the werewolf, uh, rule books actually go into like the, the difficulties of, um, shape changing just certain parts of your body, uh, as, and it's usually, uh, pointed out as a way to uh, use it as a storytelling device or a way around, you know, causing the delirium. So like, you know, uh, a werewolf in its human form can't do aggravated damage with its, uh, with your fingernails. Right. But if you can turn just your hand into a werewolf uh, paw with claws uh, then you can do aggravated damage with your, you know, spiritually charged uh, werewolf claws. And so there's rules for changing smaller parts of your body. Kylin Do takes that to the next level where you're constantly doing that to multiple parts of your body to, like, uh, I can't remember what one of the... Uh, Okay, so because a werewolf body has more mass, uh, it's going to be harder to get through like small gaps. So somebody skilled in Kylin Do could theoretically like jump through a small crack in a window by jumping in werewolf form, you know, to get those like strength and dex bonuses in midair, turn into Hamid, and then once they get through turn back into full werewolf or Kylan Doe. If you're using a weapon, you could theoretically, um, you know, grasp a bow staff with human hands while still being in werewolf form. I'm not sure what that would entirely do, but. Well, it uh, allows you to, you know, yeah. use tools as a, as a werewolf, which is huge actually. Cause aggravated yeah. claws I, I always... seem to melt through most items that you try and grapple. <laughs> Yeah, I, I always just thought that Kylan Doe was just a really cool idea, and it makes sense, you know, because they're they're Buddhist monks, martial arts. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was always fascinated by the stargazers, and I was really sad when I heard, um, but also understood why they would leave the the, uh, the Guru Nation. So, um, so let's go ahead and go to the uh, Black Spiral Dancers, formerly known as the White Howlers. Um, so these are your worm 
tainted, uh, your worm tainted tribe, basically. Um, black spiral dancers usually have to go through a, a ritual of walking the spiral um, in order to become uh, a werewolf or a black spiral dancer, and they kind of rip their soul inside out, if I remember correctly. Or is that just uh, Nefandi that do the ripping of their soul inside out? I mean, that sounds like an Nefandi thing, but. Uh, and here's a good question Do you have my copy of. Uh, Chronicles of the Black Labyrinth. I believe I do. I'll have to double check. Okay, it's it's either you or Charles that has it, and uh, oh man, there was some cool shit in that book. Um. So so the thing is, the White Howlers were a Scottish-based tribe uh, before they became Black Spiral Dancers. Uh, another thing in the werewolf mythos is um the the coloration and patterning of your fur is kind of like indicative of certain different things uh and if i remember correctly the white howlers were were generally purely white fur um and the story goes that they decided to basically walk down into the spiral to fight the worm and they didn't come back they they turned into black spiral dancers instead um the thing that always confused me about that like um origin mythos is that most of those werewolves those black spiral dancers by now would be pretty much dead i think Mm -hmm. right so most of the black spiral dancers you see today are not former white howlers correct they are corrupted werewolves from the various tribes um So I, I guess that's just me complaining that they kind of they pushed that mythos in and then never explained how, like, the new Black Spiral dancers are, are mostly from other tribes. You know, you just got to f- kind of figure that out on your own. Although some of the older Black Spiral dancers could well, theoretically they, still be from White Howlers. Well, you could still also I mean, it's still a genetic thing. And so they still just because they're Black Spiral dancer doesn't mean they can't go out and rape and pillage and create more of their kind um it's just that when now when yeah. a white howler you know is created they're immediately a black spiral dancer is the way that i kind of took it was that <clears throat> you could also just like you can join any tribe um you know you're born into one but you're you can join any tribe that you want um and it's possible that some of these lost cubs are actually that they're finding out they're actually black spiral dancer um you know, uh, or white howler cubs that join with another group. Because there's no, like, from my understanding, there's no, like, exact thing on the genetics of, um, there's no weakness or something that's tied into your genetics of of werewolf. It's all about what tribe you are and stuff like that. Yeah. But, But also remember that being a werewolf isn't necessarily a genetic thing. It's a spiritual thing. That too, yeah. Like, the, the werewolf mythos basically throws in this idea that there's almost a spiritual genetics uh, right. that, that werewolves are basically susceptible to. There's when a, when a child is born to two kinfolk, there's, there's no genetic marker that says they're going to become a werewolf. There might be a spiritual marker. Uh, and so that's, that's another reason like uh, in the Gen Con game, uh, the, I made the child of Gaia a gay werewolf and him and his uh, who was he married to? Uh, He was married to one of the mages. Yeah, the the dream speaker mage. Yeah, and uh, and they were working with another werewolf to figure out how to like figure out werewolf genetics and I never really followed that thread too much um but, you know, maybe they would have figured out the, the spiritual aspect of it and been like, oh, we need to figure out spirit genetics. Yeah. Which now I've created. And, uh, all right. I'm never going to work out. So um, I didn't really research into any of these. I kind of poked into them. But, uh, do you know anything about these independent tribes? It looks like they're all kind of offshoots of the different groups. 
Uh, I did read earlier the. Oh God, Charles is going to kick my ass. If... Well, he knows that I can't uh, pronounce Chinese words correctly. Uh, the Boli Zuhise, Chinese offshoot of the Glasswalkers. Uh, so basically, Glasswalkers in China. Uh, I think the uh, the reason that they might have written this particular group is because uh, China was very isolated, uh, as was Japan, and that was the 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 reasoning behind the Hakan. Mm-hmm. You know, the, China and Japan were very isolated from the West up until the the opening, uh, and in fact, uh, in the Bully Zuhis. Um, you know, wiki page here, they talk about how uh, when Hong Kong was offered to the British as a port, uh, they they basically all just moved into Hong Kong because they were like, this is the new thing. This is, you know, people stuff is happening here. And they moved in there. And, uh, you know, that's where they've been. And, of course, it doesn't mention anything about what happened when, uh... or wait, no, it does. Uh, they suffered with the handover of Hong Kong to the Chinese government. Beijing attacked the triads, which many Bolizuhis were affiliated with. And their primary cairn was destabilized by the death of its elder. Hmm. It's... So, I mean, it, if, you, if you take the current state of the Chinese government to its logical conclusion, there are probably not many werewolves in the Chinese government. Uh, hmm. In fact, I would say there are none. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think you know China is a completely different, um, different world when when it comes to um, the world of darkness. Like there's so much of a difference and so much of a thing that you gotta you gotta take into account. Um, and you have to remember that it is a fictional world based on a bunch of Western people. So um, yeah, I I you know that kind of brings up the subject of. You know, there there has been controversy about people putting certain spins on the world of darkness and I'm not going to bring those up now we've discussed that we're not going to discuss that um, but there are probably people in the US who have a lot of knowledge about China and they could they could definitely run a game that kind of explores what the world of darkness is like in China maybe from a western perspective maybe from a Chinese perspective um and then on top of that, with the you know the current media landscape, I find it really interesting that you know as RPGs and the world of darkness, especially, move into other cultures, like we're going to see some really interesting stories in the world of darkness, created by you know people from other cultures, you know, China included. That uh, you know, once they get translated, are going to be some pretty awesome things that uh, have a lot of insight into those places and and their history. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's go ahead and um, move on here to the last little bit um, about the extinct tribes. So we've kind of already talked about the Croatan, but then there's the uh, the the Bunip. Uh, Bun, bunyip, bunyip, bunyip. Um, so these are your, uh, I believe these are your Australian um, werewolves. Uh, yeah, but yeah. not exactly werewolves. Um, or thylacines. Tasmanian tigers, which oh. are extinct. Yeah. Yeah, interesting group here. Um, I I don't know much about them, um, and there's like this whole special thing about Australia in the world of darkness, actually. Um, but they're they're definitely something that uh, I would suggest you know taking a look into. Um, 
they're just one of those like you know you can kind of see it in a bunch of weird stuff about them um for example like in one of the uh, apocalyptic scenarios they reveal that they did not possess the spiritual half of other guru um and <clears throat> were only able to recreate the animal and the human nature of the bunyip um and lacking the spiritual bits um, filled in by the worm spirits that noticed his experiment. Um, these bunyip call themselves the howl walkers, hollow walkers, um, forced their father to walk the black spiral and join them. So there's like a whole, you know, other, you know, black spiral tribe that is created out of them, basically, in one of the apocalyptic scenarios. Yeah, now that I'm kind of skimming the article, I, I realize that uh, I never really, never really touched on the bunyip. Uh, I know in the most recent mage game that I played in, we did go to Australia uh, and mess around there for a while, but uh, yeah, this never really came up. Yeah, it's a small part of, but an interesting part of the werewolf um, history. Yeah, I I will say though. Um, I've, I've watched a lot of television, well, at least a, a good handful of television from Australia and, you know, their, their cultural paradigm, uh, in relation to Aboriginal peoples, which are the kinfolk of, uh, the Bunyip, I could see some really interesting games coming out of, uh, you know, the Australian cultural paradigm. Uh, in the world of darkness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then there's already weird stuff all about. <laughs> Australia is just a really weird place in the world of darkness, that's for sure. Yeah, um, everything kills you. The middle of it is damn near impossible to survive in. There's that big fucking rock in the middle of it that's just like a big old round rock sticking out of the middle of nowhere, which I'm pretty sure is a thing in the world of darkness. It's an alien ship, I bet, in the real world. Uh, Don't get me into do alien anything stuff. You want with it. So. <laughs> um, so that that brings us, I think, then to an end here on um, Werewolf: The Apocalypse, um, and. One of the things we're going to kind of uh, talk about, I think, next is uh, our Technogate game that we um, finished up season one of last Monday. Um, this Monday at 7 p.m. we are going to be um, doing an after party for that um, and just kind of prepping and getting ready for season two. Um, season one primarily dealt with um, the characters trying to hunt down and destroy um, Mudden, a, a Nefandi that was, um, had dealings with the end of the world, basically, was, was working to, to make the end of the world even worse, um, and kind of empower a bunch of demons, um, during, uh, the apocalypse, or the 1999, you know, Ravenos Awakening scenario, um, and so we've kind of brought that to a conclusion now. Um, what what do you think of uh, season one? Did you have you have fun? Yes. Let's let's start with yes. I had fun. Um, before I get into the content of the game, I would just like to comment on streaming a game. This is the first time that that I have done it. And I think that you have done it as well. Yeah, right? no, this is the first time I definitely streamed a, a tabletop game. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm just remembering... Uh, so so I'm, I am one of the, the luckiest people in the gaming world that I have two separate gaming families. Uh, and in addition to that, my gaming family that isn't you... Uh, we are currently, actually, because of the pandemic, playing twice a week. You know, because we don't have to, you know, get up and go to another person's house anymore. It's just, you know, it's 
uh, we use Google Meet now. Um, it's just you know you gotta be on audio, and and that's it. Uh, so so we play Friday nights and Tuesday nights. And uh, a few years ago, it was actually like five years ago now. Uh, around the time that Critical Role was starting to like pick up, we thought about streaming games. And the thing that kind of pulled us back from it was we didn't want people to like know about us. <laughs> we didn't want to be celebrities. Uh, we are we are the kind of people that are not comfortable with overacting. We're the kind of people that are not comfortable with advertising, selling out, stuff like that. Um, but that being said, you know, I also know you. So... <laughs> the complete opposite uh, of... <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. And and I'm I'm not super open to it, but like we've had discussions where it's like the what we what I want out of this is I I want people to recognize me at Gen Con every once in a while. And that's pretty much it. And 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 maybe just like people know who I am a, a teensy tiny bit. Like I'm I'm not going to be an actor on a TV show. That's not my it's not my thing. Um but yeah, so in terms of how is the game going, I think we did pretty good. I think there was a lot of learning that we had to do. Uh, I'm still not... Uh, have, you've, have you heard the quote, uh, I doubt your commitment to spark, sparkle motion? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is from the, the movie Donnie Darko. Yeah, and every every once in a while, I, like, because you know I've been working with you on a lot of this stuff, and you know I am, I am there on time every week, and some of the other players are like rolling in at seven fifteen, <laughs> and I'm just like I have to hold back that. Like, <laughs> you're not part. You're not dedicating to, yourself to Sparkle Vision. <laughs> yeah, I have to remind myself that like. We're doing this for fun. None of us is trying to like get rich off of playing games online. This is just like, you know, our goals here are not astronomical in terms of, you know, fandom or anything. So, so our production quality isn't huge. Uh, so I have to kind of hold myself back and, and understand that, you know, I could be doing more too. Well, we, I, th I think what this is, you know, heavily in the experimental stage for all of this, I mean, for us is that, you know, we're, we don't really have people that we know in our lives that are doing this kind of stuff to mentor us into this at all. We just kind of jumped into the ocean deep and said, I wonder if I can swim. And, you know, we drowned for a little while here and there. We, we did really well here and there, you know, surviving and then you know, we are where we're at right now, which I think that now we're at a point where we can start moving into more production value um, and, and really getting into that kind of sense of um, trying to make it more, um, like you said, more dedication to a certain degree. Um, but, it, it, you know, in the end, it really is just about for for me about this is just I like I just I like having fun and I kind of have always dreamed about having my own company and this is a way of substituting my you know hobby basically of I've always loved storytelling I've always wanted to run games at Gen Con and um, you know this this all of this that I'm doing is basically just to enhance that and then you know possibly other ideas that I have of making my own games and stuff. Um, but basically, you know, I, all I want to do is just run events at Gen Con and this just kind of supports that whole system. So, yeah, I, I think I remember when we, you know, first started doing the Gen Con game stuff, I think, I, I think I wrote it down somewhere that like my goal was, I want to go to lots of gaming conventions. Like that's if I can somehow make enough money off of what I do at the gaming conventions, I can go to more of them. Uh, right. 
and yeah. that would be like the greatest thing. Yep, and that's uh, that's just yeah, exactly. That's my kind of goal is that make it make it so not necessarily that I I get paid to go to conventions, but at least I it it's I have some subs you know some a a subsidy that's coming to me through the. Um, through doing, although to a, to a degree, it's also cost me a bunch more money to do this. But <laughs> eh, whatever, we got jobs. Yeah, that's uh, that's the beautiful that's, part about it. And that's pretty much what it is in the gaming industry. Almost everybody that works for, you know, Onyx Path that we've met, you know, they all has have an, another job. job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Don't don't quit your day job. It's a solid thing in the gaming industry. Um, whether it's video games and or you know like anywhere it depends on you know it depends on what you're doing some art assets people stuff like that um, but that usually their day job is not just stuck on one project you know they have multiple or if they do they're getting good pay i wish i was an artist i really do that was one of the one of the skills yeah, I, I never picked up in my I, life and i'm just too lazy I, I don't have the i don't have the patience um but yeah, so so back to um, yeah the game, um, the the way I'm going to explain this is, uh, I, I think maybe I have told you about this before, um, and maybe I've kind of been holding back on it. There is a Facebook group where you can post, uh, like, hey, I'm doing this this live act or this actual play of uh, World of Darkness games, and I see a lot of you know stuff go by. I don't really check them out, but uh, I, I know they're there. And I keep thinking to myself, like, oh, man, would I be comfortable putting up a link to uh, Technogate? <laughs> and on the one hand, I would say no, because, you know, I, I don't feel like we're quite there yet. But on the other hand, I do have to remind myself that it's like we're all just fans of a mythos. We're just gamers if I'm watching a streamed game of some sort, I'm going to, I'm going to forgive most of the, the flubs, the, the things that could be better. I'm going to note them, but I'm not going to like be like, Oh, these guys suck. It's like, no, these guys are trying some shit. Good for them. And so, so I look forward to trying to get that game out there to more people, you know, do some, do some advertising on Facebook and not necessarily advertising, but just like posting it to those groups and such. Right. Yeah. Uh, because I will tell you this, I don't see a lot of technocracy games going past me in my feed. <laughs> uh, I don't see a lot of mage games. Mage is hard to get into. Uh, I was really happy that our first streamed game was mage just because it's one of the the harder games to get into, but I feel like um, in the long run, um, it's it's just it's a beautiful game. I love GMing for for Mage. It's always going to be the first game that I'm gonna jump to whenever anybody's like, "What game do you want to GM?" I'm gonna jump to be like, "Okay, I'm gonna I want to do Mage: The Ascension." Yeah, and not only do not many people play Mage: The Ascension, but not many people play Technocrats. I think I found one other stream, and they were. I think they did like a mini series. There's like four episodes. Um, so, so I'm pretty excited where, where this is going. Uh, I feel like at this point, I, I can see playing this game into the future indefinitely. Uh, like it's just going to keep going, but I know that that's not possible. Right. But what I'm hoping is that, as we add other things like like that wraith game uh as people drop off of the radar other people come in like it's something is going to happen where we say okay it's it's time to stop the the technogate game not because it fell apart but because we, you know, either don't have time for it because other shit is happening, or it turns into something else. Uh, you know, just something like that. Oh, I think I, I do think that um, it does have the possibility of being just a, um, you know, a forever 
game of of checking out the world of darkness you know in all aspects of of the world of darkness to a certain degree especially you know traveling to different realities and stuff like that but you could you could go kind of all over the place with this game um this definitely is not going to have the epic arc of uh like normally what i like to do is like a five year or a five season you know concept for for a game you know and just have that nice rise and fall of of your chronicle and how it you know how what what's all going on and having that third season be that big huge you know this is when all this stuff goes down and then you get to see the aftermath in four and five and um you you know just i liked that kind of concept but there um but this one is more episodic where i just wanted it to continue on that kind of level um but we'll see i definitely think that there's a possibility of maybe not um ending it um but rebooting it is probably going to be something that i i might do every you know five years or something like that and just go back to the beginning with a new drawing board new concept and maybe new crew you know like it won't be technogate 42 it'll be technogate you know 51 or whatever and be different adventures for them that happened in 19 um you know an alternate universe you know so you can have whatever fun you want with it or uh or or possibly a series of modules for a, a living campaign yeah it's uh it it fits the model perfectly it's you can be any kind of technocrat and you can go on missions for for the techno gate command uh, yeah, kind of fits fits the model for uh, for a living campaign. Yeah, so definitely um, definitely something we'll look into further down the road for sure. Um, there's a lot of plans. I definitely want to bring it to Gen Con um, and and other conventions and stuff and run games for it at least just one shots if not, you know. Um, I, I like the idea of a living campaign possibly we might work on something like that um, but that's all something that's in the future but we're going to finish up season 1 which we're we're done really with season 1 we're just going to do an after party this Monday and then we're going to start up season 2 and season 2 is going to kind of be a reboot where I'm going to try and not really have any major storylines kind of going um we'll still probably have something to deal with you know the concept that there's still the looming concept of nobody knows what's going to happen after 1999 um but i think that the majority of season two is just going to focus on character development and one-shot episodes of going to different places in um in the umbra and checking them out and having you know just a, a very classic um episodic game that kind of just checks out all the different aspects of the world of darkness and uh, or the different areas of the the umbra and expanding and looking into those things and parallel universes and stuff like that and just just a fun game well, there's there are a lot of them yeah there's a there's a lot to cover so i don't think we'll run out of material anytime soon um all right so um before we head out here, um, I just want to give a couple shout outs to a couple podcasts that are out there that, you know, really inspired me to want to make my own podcast for the world of darkness, um, such as uh, Midnight Express, Utility Muffin Labs, um, Darker Days Radios and Gehenna Gaming all have some really great um, stuff out there that you can kind of check out on um, podcast uh, websites out there um definitely want to give a big shout out to the people who made these games um onyx path and uh white wolf um they are really you know interesting companies that make some you know really great games and that's basically a lot of what we talk about um on this podcast here is the games that they have created um print on demand um one of the best places to get that from is drive through rpg um, it's where I buy pretty much all my books at this point if I don't get it at um, uh, half price books, which I do a lot of shopping there. So, <laughs> so shout out for them, too, because, you know, actually, don't go there. Don't go there because that's you're taking my books. <laughs> yeah. 
I, every single one of these books is from half price books. <laughs> I have, I think the, the most recent count is 300. Um, check out some cool things that, uh, you know, that are out there like seventh age novels, uh, created by Rick Hines, um, as well as the red opera RPG, um, that kind of meshes heavy metal and, uh, Dungeons and Dragons together. Um, we'll be going to a lot of the conventions that are going on in 2021 and 2022, such as GaryCon, Midwinter, Origins, GenCon, and GameholeCon, as long as those, uh, as long as they're open, um, we'll probably be there yeah, virtually right. if they're, you know, almost all of these are doing a virtual aspect if they're not going to be in person. So, um, and if you enjoyed our podcast, uh, definitely feel free to follow us and like us. Um, we also post this on Twitch, YouTube. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Do all the, you know, press all the buttons, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> don't if you don't feel like it. <laughs> are you? Are are you even on Instagram? I'm on Instagram. I have I have a bunch of kitten have photos you? on Instagram. Oh, you do? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm gonna follow you on Instagram. Well, yeah, because that's that's. How the, do I follow you on Instagram? Uh, Golden Age Stories. Look me up. We'll be there. We got a bunch of kittens. I don't know. I'm not sure. I really want to download Instagram onto my phone. I don't know if you do either. I just did it because one of the uh, Twitch things that I had uh, that you know showed like follow us on this or whatever i was just like fine fine whatever i'll do it join this weird thing and i'm just gonna post kitten pictures because i love kitten pictures it's all about pictures right so uh so if there's anybody any questions for us before we wrap up here but i think that we are going to wrap it on up and uh head on out and we'll be doing our game on monday and we'll be back next uh sunday with a whole new topic do we know what that topic is going to be? Not at this time. I have some ideas, but uh, we did not discuss specifically what we're going to be doing next podcast. But we will have more teasers for you uh, coming up as we better prepare our podcast. <laughs> and... See, that's what we need from the viewers on Twitch is uh, suggestions for what to talk about. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if anybody does have any suggestions, definitely hit us up. Um, always... Uh, last suggestion that we did have was Wraith, and I think we tried to immediately fulfill that request. Um, and we'll try to do so if you do have any requests. So We're not just locked into the world of darkness either. We're open to talking about any kind of uh, role-playing games. Um, and we might we might pop in and start doing some of those as well. Um, but I think that some of what we're going to do in the future is definitely going to be you know, going over some of the more obscure things in the world of darkness such as mummies and um changelings and demons oh my you know i still i think i have never cracked a demon book so i gotta get that pretty soon here yeah demon's interesting um definitely not exactly what i what i had anticipated when i read demon so um, but yeah, I think that that's going to wrap it on up for us tonight. Um, well, thank you all for watching, and uh, this is Frozen Fallout signing off. And I'm Motor Rory. Good night.